Hello and welcome to the What If Podcast, a weekly show where the world-renowned expert in marine biology, Dr. Matthew Jock Manfredi, attempts to skillfully give an informed opinion on all your laudable, yet more often, ludicrous what-if conundrums. Dr. Matt, as he is batter known, will do his level best to provide relief to his listeners through his tongue, well more specifically through his words. He will attempt to do this without landing himself in the county jail for breaching the terms of the Fourth Amendment, that being our freedom of speech as afforded to us in our notoriously brittle constipation. What if he fails? An even scarier thought. What if he's successful? What if this is the start of something big for Dr. Matt? My name is Mr. Turpod, but I am of no relevance to this show, for sitting and starring alongside me each week will be this great spiritual leader, theologian, New York Yankees fan, and Harvard graduate, Dr. Matt. He is without doubt one of the great minds and intellectuals of our time. He is also an internationally acclaimed best-selling author and Nobel laureate elect, in my opinion. Leaving all the, all these errors and graces aside, I'm simply happy to call Dr. Matt my friend. Regular readers of the Daily Maritime Post will know Dr. Matt from his weekly column on the sexual misbehaviours of post-pubescent fish in the Amazon Delta. It was at the Institute of Cape Cod where Dr. Matt first wrote about this topic while completing his PhD. Lauded as one of America's foremost authors on the topic with his book entitled I Love the Smell of Fish Fingers in the Morning, Dr. Matt is a past winner of a MacArthur Genius Fellowship and Avery Fisher Prize. He has become one of his generation's most sought after and in-demand keynote speakers. Hailing from North Great River in Long Island, he is the third son of Dante. Antonio Manfredi, a notoriously temperamental Cuban immigrant who fled Havana at the end of the Batista regime in the late 50s. Dante Manfredi, renowned for hating all things Irish, especially gingers, spent his whole life denying that it was him pictured standing on the grassy knoll wearing a Revenge for the Day of Jigs t-shirt in the now infamous Zapruder footage filmed on that fateful day in September 63 when Kennedy, the first Protestant Irish president of, the, of America, was gunned down in Kansas. Dr. Matt has represented America at the World Indoor Mixed Belly Dancing Freestyle event at the Winter Olympics in Texas in 86. He came second, coming closely behind the stunning blonde Ukrainian Iwana Trumpe, who finished first. Alongside these exploits, Dr. Matt is the proud father of a wonderful daughter, Kaylee Grace Manfredi, who lives in Da Nang and who has a pet chihuahua called Brendan. What if, what if any of this was actually true? You know, some of it, some of it just may well be. 
Let's cross over to Studio 451 in Hanoi, where Dr. Matt is waiting to tell us the truth and to answer your what-if questions. We hope you enjoy the show. Dr. Matt, it's wonderful to have you on this show. First of all, how are you and where are you? Well, Mr. Therpod, I am uh, doing very, very well, thank you. And I am currently in the UK um, on a forced exile from Asia and China specifically due to the coronavirus, as you may have heard about, which is uh, quickly spreading around the world at the moment. Well, you're clearly not coping very well with the coronavirus if you've decided to go to Scotland. Is, is there anything we can do for you? I was so deep in a depression that I that that was the most depressive place I could I could find. <laughs> and how are you coping with Corona, Doctor Matt? How has life um, been? It it is well. I left China on January fifteenth to go to the UK for uh, some uh, business related matters, and then we had our Chinese New Year for an additional week. So I I. Uh, Got together with my daughter. We went down to Fu Quoc, did some scuba diving, and it was a nice holiday. And then since then, we have not been able to return to China as a result. So I have been uh, living in different places and living out of the same bag that I packed on January 14th, which does make life difficult. But in this uh, time of the coronavirus, my my worries are shouldn't even be considered because there are people who are a lot worse off, worse off than me right now. Agreed, Matthew. There's always somebody in a worse position. Uh, how have you been coping physically and mentally with this period, during this period? Uh, physically and mentally? Well, we, we have been teaching online classes. Uh, so there's a lot of time on the computer in both preparation and delivery of uh, lessons. Uh, making sure my students are okay back in China, uh, just staying in touch with them, uh, trying to trying to keep the lines of communication wide open. Uh, physically, attempting to go for walks on a daily basis. Uh, depending on the weather, <laughs> here in Scotland, it, it's it's either a great walk or a very cold, wet, rainy walk. Um, so it really depends on the weather. But that's what we're trying to do. Unfortunately, eating habits do tend to Sort of get thrown by the wayside when you're when you're um, traveling, and I'm, I, I don't use the word holiday because it is not a holiday for us as teachers. We are doing the best we can to cope with the situation. Um, very much like our students, we would like to be back home and back in the routine of going to to work every day and, and having our, our free time be our free time. But due to time zone constraints, um, me being in the UK, my my students being in um, Shenzhen, China, I you know. This week I was up at six o'clock in the morning uh, teaching lessons, and seven o'clock in the morning. So, it's um, it's it's kind of tough, tough on the body. Not sleep is is a little bit weird because you're not in your own bed. But I'm coping, and like I said, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of people out there who are worse off than me or my colleagues who are uh, you know in this forced exile. I like what you said there about walking. Uh... Dr. Matt, it's one of my favorite hobbies and a brilliant, uh, a brilliant way to uh, 
to cope during a period like this. Salvatore ambulando is a Latin expression that I love to uh, use with people and it loosely translates as it is solved by walking. So if you're struggling during this period, my advice to you is get out, get walking, if you can, that is. Uh, yeah, Dr. Matt. Oh, well, thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Matt, uh, now you mentioned your delightful daughter, Kaylee Grace. Uh, wonderful girl, I've met on a number of occasions. Uh, I hear she's doing really well at school. She is. Uh, her school in uh, Hanoi, Vietnam, is also doing distance learning or online learning. So the students are not permitted to come onto campus yet due to the coronavirus. But we had the uh, unique in the middle of the school semester to spend um, quite a bit of time together. She had her own personal tutor at home and we made sure that she was uh, doing the work and setting schedules and, and putting the effort into her online learning. And then after I had left, she had received a wonderful accolade from her teachers over at Unison Hanoi, wonderful group of dedicated uh, individuals trying to get their kids through the same thing we're getting our kids through in China. And she received uh, essentially an applause on the system that goes out to um, her teachers, her parents, in saying that she had not only completed all of her work for that week, but also completed it to a high quality, which so very proud of her. And I, I called her up immediately and, and she's very humble about it. She's like, yeah, I'm just doing my thing. Um, and then again, the following week, I get another applause for Kaylee Grace. So Kaylee Grace is kicking butt in Hanoi on this distance learning thing. Uh, good on you, Kaylee Grace, and uh, congratulations on that. And I hope to see you very soon again on holidays. Hopefully the next time we meet, it'll be in the States. Uh, keep up the great work up in Hanoi, Kaylee. Now, let's get down to the meaty business here. Uh, what's the story with your father, Dante? Why does he hate all things Irish? Well, in your introduction that I, that I had the opportunity to listen to, um, you've got a little bit, little bit of inaccuracies there. Um, I'm just going to point them out right now, if that's okay. Well, wait a second. Let, let, let's talk about let's talk about specifically Dante first, and then we'll talk about our researcher Alan Moore. And uh, if if there's any inaccuracies, I, I hope there's not. Uh, Alan Moore uh, basically he, he that was his last job working for me, and he 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 left in a huff. Basically, he said that this podcast series, the What If podcast series, is his idea. So he compiled that research. I, I believe he did a good job. And then he stormed out of the building. So let's clear up those inaccuracies in a minute. But first of all, I really want to get get to Dante and find out why he hates the Irish. Um, well, he hates the Irish. There's a multitude of reasons. I, I mean, the laundry list is very, very long. But the first one is, Obviously, it's that ginger factor, you know, many yeah, Irish yeah. people being a ginger. And I think it, I think it's more focused on 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 ginger, um, you know, a ginger focus rather than just an Irish focus. So if I were to sum it up, I would say that he, he feels that, you know, the gingers are lazy, that, you know, they don't they don't uh, they don't put the effort in either at work or in their personal lives. He also. Uh, 
blames them for many of the conspiracies that have plagued uh, not only history, uh, European history, but American history as well. Uh, pretty much every assassination attempt or disruption of, of something can be, you know, placed back onto a ginger. And, you know, I, I, I think it's well-founded, his, his uh, distaste or hatred of, of gingers, at least in, in this case. Well, Dr. Matt, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was not ginger. And let's get to it. Uh, your father was accused of being on the grassy knoll that fateful day in September 62. Uh, any truth in it? Uh, the only truth is that he is a Cuban uh, exile. Um, he is not very temperamental. Uh, in his line of work, you have to sort of keep your cool until you are told not to keep your cool. Um, you can do with that what you wish, but um, is it a possibility that, that he was involved in that, that fateful day? Yes, absolutely, that is a possibility. Could be true. Okay, Dante, we will uh, do a little bit more research into you. Now, in our opening segment, I said it was compiled by Alan Moore before he stormed out in a huff. Uh, was, there right. any would, inac was there any I, inaccuracies I would, in the opening? It was filled with inaccuracies. And until you mentioned Alan Moore, which is a perfect excuse. I mean, I, I, I was just thinking it was a bunch of ginger minions running around, you know, paying you homage every once in a while. Um, but as soon as you mentioned Alan Moore, this, that made complete sense how that opening had, had been flawed. Well, can you point out anything specific that was wrong with it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned my, my expertise and, and study of, uh, you know, fish in the Amazon River Delta. Absolutely not true, people. My dissertation is in seahorse reproduction. Um, I am considered an expert in that field. And anyone who uh, comes at you with anything different, and any any textbook you find on Amazon, I challenge you right now, go on Amazon.com. Any textbook you find on specifically seahorse reproduction, you will find my name as the, as the lead author, if not the co-author of that textbook. Uh, so that's just one inaccuracy. Uh, you mentioned that I was a Harvard grad. I am completely too intelligent and, and too... Um, Dedicated to my studies to actually attend Harvard, but you know, back in 1972, when uh, my parents lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts, I did attend Harvard preschool and I did graduate top of my class. Fortunately, um, that went by age and weight at the moment. They then they give you a little slip of paper saying you you made it through. So I did graduate from Harvard, but it was a Harvard preschool. Um, <laughs> that third thing you mentioned about the belly dancing in the Olympics, that is, it's a gross inaccuracy. I'm actually, I'm, I'm offended by this because, you know, you said we came in second, but you missed the follow-up to that. So shortly thereafter, given the fact that the, uh, the lead was Ukrainian, they were heavily involved in performance enhancing drugs. And fortunately, my partner and I coming in second, getting the silver medal, we were able to then gain gold. So it is a gross inaccuracy. I am a gold medal mixed belly dancer. Well, listen, Dr. Matt, I would like to apologize on behalf of all the bald gingers in the world, Alan Moore being one of them. Uh, his research work is clearly not up to scratch. For a man of your standing in society, I apologize. Can, can know, we move on? Had I heard that introduction prior to coming onto the show, I would have actually thought twice about it. But 
you know, I don't blame you, Mr. Therpod. You you put in the energy, you put in the effort to to producing the show. And if if you had to deal with a personality like Almore, I can understand completely as to why yeah, there well, were so many gross inaccuracies. So he's good on you. Good on you for coming through. Good on you for coming through. Listen, Dr. Matt, let, 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 let's move on with this show. We have got 10 brilliant questions on the show. Well, we've got 10 questions on the show today uh, yeah. uh, from, 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 from some really odd and interesting figures. Um, I, I think let's go for the first one. So our first ever what if question for Dr. Matt comes from Joseph F. Burrich. Now, Joseph is a, a hillbilly from Cleveland in Ohio. Uh, I believe he's next door neighbor to uh, Ryan Cletus Rose. So let, let's play this question for you, uh, Dr. Matt, and see, see what you have uh, to say about it, because you are the expert in seahorse catching. Let's listen to this. Uh, reproduction. Hi, Dr. Matt. My name is Joe, uh, many time listener, but first time understander. And I was wondering if you could help me with situation. I noticed that they're putting a lot of coal in our toothpaste and coal and shampoo and saying that it has good health effects. But last I checked, the coal or that carbon isn't good for you. So is there a conspiracy I should be aware of? And if so, uh, what is the best mineral that I should be putting in my hair and my mouth? Thank you. Well, Dr. Matt, coal in toothpaste, carbon in shampoo, conspiracies. Joseph F. Burridge wants to know what's the best mineral that he should be putting in his hair and his mouth. Over to you. I, I'm glad you're the expert, Dr. Matt. Yes. Um, well, this coal conspiracy, you know, it, it's it's got a lot of weight to it because essentially, you know, coal is coal, actually not coal, but carbon. Uh, activated charcoal is it's a it's processed to have tiny pores and essentially it will pull out any um, anything that is not in your in your body system naturally so if you um probably heard stories of people accidentally getting poisoned or intentionally poisoning themselves and then uh, emergency room physicians will chuck activated charcoal down their stomachs and then hopefully it'll bond with whatever is uh, in their stomach and they will then vomit it up and essentially save their lives but <clears throat> we see it now in shampoo and we see it now in uh toothpaste but there are no actual scientific studies or data to back up the use of these items in either shampoo, um, toothpaste, or any health products, um, any health products at all. So I, I would say, Joe, if you're going to put some sort of mineral uh, in your body, I, I would, you know, I'd probably stay with potassium. Potassium is good. You can get that from bananas, Joe, because you're a runner. I believe you're a runner uh, from what I read about your bio when you sent in your question. And that potassium is an essential mineral for you, Joe. I think I would stick with potassium, stay away from the charcoal-laden stuff, and uh, you know, you'll be a you, you'll look like Usain Bolt running down down the street. <laughs> so no conspiracy there at all, whatsoever, for uh, from Joseph F. Burrich. No, Dr. I don't think there is. 
So, Dr. Matt's saying that the best mineral to put in your hair and in your mouth is potassium, Joseph F. Burge. I hope that helps you. Now, I'm not an expert in minerals, but I, I, I will give you, I, I will tell you what I think, Burge. Now, the best mineral for gingers to put in their hair is uh, 9 out of 10 gingers use Banta. That's, that's what we like. Uh, the other the other one out of ten, well, they are just bald gingers like Nemanja and Alan Moore. They, they don't put any minerals in their hair. And you see what happens. They go bald. So keep using that potassium burrage. Do you use the orange Fanta or the red Fanta? There's red Fanta? There is red Fanta. Oh, I must, I must try that out, uh, Dr. Matt. Now... Let's move on to our second question. I hope that first question satisfied Burrich. Our second question comes from uh, David Platt. Now, David Platt is a ranch hand uh, from upstate Cleveland, actually. He sent in this question. Now, before I play it, I would just like to say how disgusting I find this question. We've touched on this before with Dante. And gingerphobia has been on the rise throughout society and particular, in particular on social media this past few years. After searching through the soul of my hair, I decided to allow this question on the show so I could get to the root of this intolerance, as well as exposing the, the darkness of characters like David Platt, who clearly hate my people. Well, David, I have a message for you. Gingers are people too. We have feelings just like everybody else. Let's listen to this question, Dr. Matt, this disgusting question. So this is David Platt asking a question from here on the ground in Shenzhen. Um, I've been walking around a lot lately and I've noticed that there's no gingers around. So my question is, what if this entire thing is a conspiracy by the gingers just to get out of work and be able to go on holiday in Vietnam. Oh, Dr. Matt, I'm really saddened by this question, but I'm, I'm going to allow him airtime as I know I can count on your support and hopefully we can together start to eradicate gingerphobia. Dr. Matt? I'm here. Um, yes. David, I'm going to have to, to echo your sentiment here. I, I agree completely that gingers are probably responsible for this, this coronavirus outbreak um, because, as you know, you know, they just love to get out of work and are notoriously lazy. And I believe I read an article in the New York Times the other day where it was traced back to Wuhan, yes, but not so much an animal market, but there was an Irish pub there, I can't recall the name, and the bagpiper, Seamus O'Shea, I believe is is patient zero, and essentially it has it has uh, it is a conspiracy by the gingers to get out of work and to uh, be able to to travel uh, at will and and infect other people. So I, I'm with you, David, completely on that. Um, and I'm not sure if you realize it, but we don't really have to worry about gingers very much longer because essentially <clears throat> the gene is on its way out. The, the, I think they've got maybe. I don't know, a couple of weeks to six months left on that on that uh, red hair, blue eyed ginger gene. Um, we won't really have to worry about them very much longer because uh, Mother Nature uh, is taking care of it. Darwin, through through his uh, Origin of Species, discussed it at length. You can check that out. I believe it's page fifteen to twenty five. 
in which he mentions this uh, genetic mutation, uh, gingerous spasticus or something like that in Latin. Um, I don't remember what the actual term is. But um, yeah, I give them six months tops, six months, and then we don't have to really worry about them anymore. Um, and I, I don't know if you realize it, but you know, being a ginger is actually, they say it's a, a response to the, to the cloudy weather consistently in Scotland, where I am now. And you know what? There's no gingers. I don't see any gingers up here in Scotland. So I think it has started to take hold and, and we will not have to worry about them very much longer. Dr. Matt. It, it, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, it seems. You, your father, Dante, will be proud of that soliloquy. You know, it, well, mine's, it really based on, mine's based on scientific research. A, a study at Penn State found that European light skin stems from a single person who lived 10,000 years ago. So not only are gingers genetically uh, awkward and mutated, but they all stem from the same person, which essentially tells us there's a lot of, uh, you know, incestuous sort of behavior going on in that ginger community. Well, you know, there's only so much walking a ginger can do to cope with Corona. But uh, what you've just said, Dr. Matt, I think has uh, ha has really hurt has really hurt and I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to cope with that. I don't know if I can go on in life now knowing knowing that I've only got six months left uh, according to your timeline for gingers. Does it hurt as much as lime juice? Because in fact, some gingers are so sensitive that lime juice actually burns them. Completely takes you out of the margarita category as well. I'm not even sure if that's true. Dr. Matt, it saddens me to hear your thoughts. I really don't agree with you. And so much so, I think it's time for the most famous ginger in the world, former Prince Harry, to finally speak out in defense of his people. Now, don't get me wrong, Dr. Matt, I have a lot of respect for old Harry and all the sterling work he is doing to raise mental health awareness. But I think it's time that former Prince Harry, or we... FPH, as he's known in the Ginger Union. I think it's time that he finally admitted that all his issues in life are not to do with mental health at all, but more to do with his ginger hair. Now, we need you, Prince Harry, or FPH. Dump the yank. Defend your people. There'll be loads of ginger brides waiting for you in hell. Heaven, heaven. I have no response to that. Good luck in trying to um, cater uh, or entice a former royal to get on your side. I believe he, well, he has as much hatred for gingers as the rest of the world. Well, he hasn't paid his ginger union fees four years running. Prince Harry. Okay, we'll move on to question three. I, I'm feeling quite upset after, uh, after that gingerphobe question, Platt. Question three is a really interesting question. Now, it comes from Jennifer Hager, who, who, who's uh, the esteemed leader of us. She is married to David Platt, which essentially means that she's a sec secret gingerphobe. You'll not believe this, Dr. Matt, but Jennifer Hager hails from Cleveland as well. Let's, let, oh, let's take a listen to her. Let's take a listen to her question. Serious what if? What if you were given the opportunity to go to the moon? Would you go? 
Why? Now that is interesting, Dr. Matt. Would you go to the moon and why? That is a, a very interesting question. And I think I, I, would, I would need to clarify by asking Jennifer a few questions back. So, you know, would I go to the moon if I had the opportunity to go? I would say it really depends, Jen. And um, it depends on, you know, is there an in-flight movie? It's a long trip. I can't do Earth to Moon without any sort of in-flight movie. And if so, could you let me know what the movies are beforehand? Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been taking a lot of planes lately, so I've, I've pretty much seen them all. So it would have to be a, a new release, at least, or a classic. A classic like The Godfather, one of my favorites. Watching The Godfather would be amazing. So that would be the first clarification question. Is there an in-flight movie? The second one is, are they serving booze on the plane? Is there wine? Is there beer? Is there, you know, drinks? Because, you know, you got to sort of relax. You're going from the earth to the moon. What, you know, in my mind, I'd be thinking, what if something went wrong? It's not like, uh, you know, when you're in an airplane, you can just land. You don't just land in space. I've seen all these these, these movies where the, you, you just get one push the wrong way and you just can't come back. So I would definitely need at least a glass of wine to relax. Um. My last question is, what, once we got there, do I get to get out? You know, do I get to play maybe nine holes of golf while I'm out there on the moon? Um, or am I just passing over it? Or am, or am I just going to land and then take off right away? You know, it's, I've done that in Istanbul. I've done that in, uh, in Moscow. I, I kind of want to get out and see what, what it's all about. So it would really depend on those things. But honestly, out of the... 565 people who have been fortunate enough to travel into space since the beginning of time, I would definitely take that opportunity because with the help of Mr. David Platt, I've been do doing some mathematical calculations, and I would be part of the 0.000005% of people who have walked this earth and then been able to go and hang out in space for a while. So yes, Jennifer. I would definitely do that. Um, our last mission up in space was the Apollo 17 in 1972. Um, I'm sorry, last mission to the moon. That wasn't the last mission in space because we have a nice international space station, little uh, holiday inn up there. And Virgin Galactic is now offering a trip into space for the, the price of 250,000 US. And I believe they've sold out their first year of flights. So Jen, if you're paying, I'm going. Yeah, I, I think I'll join you uh, because, Dr. Matt, uh, did you know that there's been no gingers allowed into space or on the moon yet? Well, I didn't know that, but by the time we get there, you guys should be wiped out anyway. Your species is done. It's almost over. I hope you say I love you to your mom once in a while because you, you're going to miss it. <laughs> okay, Dr. Matt. Well, I hope that answers your question, Jennifer Hager. <laughs> secret gingerphobe. Uh, so Dr. Matt would go to the moon, but he wants a glass of Sauvignon Blanc uh, while there. And the uh, air hostess, mm, air host, oh. you still there, Dr. Matt? Uh, I'm here. I'm guessing there would be um, a, a flight attendant. That's what I would call it as a yank. But, um, you know, I, I'm more concerned with the the new releases, it's, it's going to take a while. It's not, it, you know, I've, I've flown halfway around the world. It's still going to take longer than that. 
Um, and do you know? Do I get the opportunity to walk around and stretch my legs? You know, sometimes I want an aisle seat because I, you know, I like to use the bathroom quite often, even just to throw some water on my face. Um, so yeah, these factors would have to be uh, considered before I actually jumped on that on that spaceship. Okay, question number four, Doctor Matt. Let's have a listen to this. This question it, it was sent in by Tara D. I, I can't pronounce her surname, so I'm just going to call her Tara D. Now. Thankfully, I believe this question will be a little bit more refined than our previous three hillbillies. So no doubt her question will have some <laughs> class and deep, deep meaning. I Let's can't wait this for this from, from Tara Deesky. What if a tree fell over in the forest and there was nobody there to see it? dear. Well, Dr. Matt, uh, I stand corrected on my statement before the question was played. What if a tree fell over in the forest and there was nobody there to see it? Is Tara confused? I, I think she is confused. Um, I, I believe it was a, you know, an existential question as far as if a tree fell in the, in the forest and no one was there to hear it, would it still make a sound? I believe is what she was probably trying to get at but if she's not i mean either way albert einstein tells us that reality is merely an illusion albeit a very persistent one so in this case there's no one to perceive the tree falling down does it fall physically if you're looking at the laws of physics and gravity and, and all that and then you know as far as evidence when you rock up to the forest after the tree's fallen you know you take a picture before the tree fell and then after the tree fell then yes the tree has fallen but uh if no one's there to see it i, I think it's probably irrelevant whether the tree fell or not unless you were actually laying under the tree at the time <laughs> Well, I hope that answers your question, Tara, and that you understand his answer because I frankly haven't got a clue what he just said. But then again, I'm not a doctor in horse psychology. Let's move on to question five, Dr. Matt. Now, this next question, this next question is a really, really dirty question. So I, I implore our listeners, our viewers, <laughs> uh, if you're listening to this with your kids, it's probably time to put them to bed because this is such a dirty question. Uh, it comes in from Megan Ross. Let's uh, let's have a little listen to this, Dr. Matt. What if all of the supplies of toilet paper on Earth suddenly vanished at the same time? How dirty can you get? Now, I don't know much about Megan Ross, so you, you can maybe tell us a little bit of information about her and then answer this toilet question. Uh, well, Megan Ross, um, yes, we, we, we are acquaintances, colleagues. Uh, I would even go so far as to say friends. Um, and, you know, I'd be hard pressed to find someone with, with uh, a higher intellect uh, that would actually keep my company. So, you know, yes, I, 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 I'm speaking very highly of Megan. Megan is, is quite an intellectual and coming up with this question, 
I, I don't know, maybe she had a bad day. But if all the toilet paper on earth disappeared, um, my follow-up question would be, do we still have running water and showers? Because that's probably what I would use. Um, Howard Stern is, is famous for saying that, you know, if you have to wipe your bottom more than three times, you should go in the shower anyway, regardless. Um, and then it also reminds me of a joke, which, you know, could probably spark another, you know, industry uh, that could completely take over from toilet paper. So, you know, do you want to hear a joke, Eugene, a little joke? Dr. Matt, anything that can help me cope with Corona is welcome. Okay. So um, a bear and a rabbit are, you know, going poo in the woods. And, you know, they're usually there's nothing to read in the woods. So obviously they, they can't read anything. Uh, so the bear turns to the rabbit and he says to him, he says, do you have trouble with, with uh, poo sticking to your fur? And, and the rabbit looks, thinks about it for a second. He says, no, I don't. So then the bear picks up the rabbit and wipes his bottom with the rabbit. So I'm guessing if we ran out of toilet paper, we could probably just use rabbits. <laughs> so are you suggesting that women should go out and buy rabbits? Yeah, just keep a little hutch next to your 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 um, toilet, and you know once once you've used your rabbit, you could put them in the sink, and then because obviously the poo doesn't stick to it, and then just throw them back in the hutch and wait till they dry. And if you have if you've got multiple family members, you could have multiple size rabbits as well. <laughs> I'm guessing also if you if you use the white ones, you would actually know if you're cleaning your bottom because if you use a brown one or a black one. It kind of, you know, kind of looks like that. So I would definitely use white rabbits and get a multitude of sizes, little ones for the little kids. They could have fun. It could, it could teach them a whole new skill. <laughs> um, Dr. Matt, I'm not sure where this question's gone. Uh, Megan, thanks very much. Listen, uh, when, when I first heard this question, it was only then two days later I read about a heist of toilet paper in Hong Kong. Now, do you think Megan Ross would have anything to do with this? Would she be the type I, of person? She would be the type of person to uh, hack into the stock market and um, buy, buy, buy toilet paper stock and then artificially create an economic situation whereby toilet paper is actually scarce, thereby driving the prices up and the demand for toilet paper. So yeah, Megan's smart enough. She's got like that evil genius thing going on. I would definitely put her in that in that arena of people who could actually not only think of something like that, but orchestrate it's uh, it happening. Doctor Matt, let, let's we've got to the halfway stage in this show, <laughs> but I've bad news. Bad news for my own mental health because question six. I can't believe I'm letting this man back on the show. It's the gingerphobe himself, old David gingerphobe Platt. Let's have a listen to this question, Dr. Matt. It's David Platt reporting from Shenzhen again. My what if question for today is what if the continued sort of shutdown of China starts to actually shut down 
global production of things such as cars and other technologies that seem to really be based in China. How will that have an impact on the the world economy and will that then affect us all even once this shutdown is ended? That's a really, really gloomy question, Dr. Matt, about the state of the economy amid amid this coronavirus. Uh, listen, I'm glad you're the doctor here. You, can you answer that? I know. This uh, this question is filled with doom and gloom. Thank you, David Platt, for providing uh, such such a thought-provoking question. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I don't know, maybe my source being apocalyptic movies and zombie movies and stuff like that, but... As I understand the world economy, right, if this were to happen, right, a global economic crash whereby money as we know it is virtually worthless, uh, gold would go out the window. I mean, if you were Joe Burek, you'd have a stock of potassium. I'm sure <laughs> that, would, that could get him something on, on the black market. But I believe that people who grow food, right, because if you look at your basic human needs, food, clothing, shelter, Without food and without clean water, we are, you know, history as far as a species is concerned. So people who grow food could then barter for the other things that they need, whether it be accommodation or, or transportation or what have you. So I think the farmers are due to take over the world. Uh, mark my words here, Mr. Therapon, the farmers. So go out and buy a farm uh, and I think you'll be okay. I hear they grow chickens up in Cleveland. I, I heard that as well. In fact, I, I believe Joe Burek comes from a long line of chicken farmers. It's actually Joseph F. Burich. Joseph F. Is that for Fritzel? It, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the F's for Fritzel, I believe. I believe anyway. This is what my researcher, Alan Moore, wrote down on the piece of paper. So uh, it, it can't be. It can't be a lie. Yeah, anyway, with your little ginger minion, Alan Moore. My little, my little ginger minion, Alan Moore. That's correct. Uh, him along with Nemanja. Now, anything else to say about that gloomy question, Doctor Matt? Um, I do not have anything else to say except um, there are fail-safes. Governments do have stockpiles of stuff for situations like this. Whether or not we would have access to them is another story. Um, I, my fear would be for not not the rural uh, individual, people living out in the country so much, because many times they're just self-sufficient. You know, they, they grow their own food anyway. But my fear would be these uh, overcrowded mega cities that are reliant upon logistics and infrastructure to feed them, clothe them, entertain them uh, every day, you know, for 365 days a year those lines would then dry up and it would become uh, it would become a very difficult situation in a mega city to not have that influx of uh, supplies that you would essentially need to run a mega city ergo mega city yeah it'd be terrible if the lines dried up anyway let's move on to question seven i hope that satisfied you ginger po ginger po po platt question seven this is a really interesting question, uh, Dr. Matt. This comes in from Jennifer Hager, uh, who was on the show previously. Let's take a listen to this one. Hi, this is Jennifer, and I, I have a, a not-so-serious question. 
Um, Dr. Matt, if you were stranded on an island somewhere and all you had were my two chihuahuas to keep you company, Rupert and Joe, but you also had no food, which one would you eat first and why? Absolutely barking mad, Jennifer. What a question. It's a dog eat dog world. But the question is, Dr. Matt, which one of her dogs would you eat first? This, this is a very interesting question, uh, Mr. Therapod, because uh, at first when I heard it, I thought, is, is she testing me? Because you know, Jennifer and I have, have a, a pretty good relationship as well. I would call us at least friends. And I, I'm wondering if, if, if this is like a trust exercise. Um, but I'm, I'm going to answer it anyway, because I, when, when I did meet her dogs, uh, Rupert and Joe, I, I did think for a moment, hmm, if I had to eat them, which one would I eat first? So what we have here is a situation where you've got two chihuahuas, right? One is a little smaller than the other one. One's, you know, obviously a little bigger, but the, the, the huge difference between the two is personality. So Rupert is, he's the quiet one. And as Jen will tell you, he's, he's a bit of a, a mama's, a mama's boy. So he's always missing his mommy. He goes and he hides in the, in the bedroom or he goes and hides somewhere else. Whereas Joe, Joe will jump on the couch and basically take ownership of everything on the couch. Even if it's yours, uh, she will, you know, bite and gnaw and claw and growl. And she's full of a lot of pep and, and personality. So with that in mind and looking at the, um, nutritional facts, you know, they are, unfortunately, chihuahuas are a bit high in cholesterol, but they are low carb um, and they do provide, you know, enough daily protein to, to get you through, you know, at least a few days. Uh, they're, they're filled with vitamin A, thiamine, riboflavin, niacin, vitamin C, calcium, iron, phosphorus, and yes, Joe Bjork, potassium. They have potassium. So, Joe, if you run short of your potassium on bananas, you can then get chihuahuas and extract the potassium from them. And then obviously there's a sodium factor as well. So if I had to do this, it would be quick, Jen. There would be no pain involved. I wouldn't even let Joe see me, uh, you know, dispatch Rupert. Um, but and then I would then feed Rupert to Joe, which I'm sure would keep Joe alive and happy longer, which I'm sure in the end you would want anyway, right? If one do- if both dogs can't be happy, at least one dog can be happy for a little longer. So without taking my heart and throwing it out the window, I would definitely uh, eat Rupert first. And I don't know if you're aware of this, Eugene, but it's true. Back in the 16th century, when Cortez uh, invaded Mexico, they were growing dogs for food. They were called uh, Zolos, X-O-L-O. And in fact, that breed can still be traced all the way through to this day, modern day uh, Mexico. and they don't, they don't eat them anymore. But when Cortez got there in the markets and in the, in the places where they sold food, I guess their markets too, uh, there were actual dogs that looked like chihuahuas. But get this, they didn't have any hair. They were hairless dogs called Zolos. And that meant less preparation time. So if I was going to get marooned on a deserted island with Rupert and Joe, I would ask Jen if she could you know, when they're coming with me, if she could shave them, because it would just make preparation a lot easier. Right. Shave the dogs. Naturally. Just like you would pluck a chicken. 
Now tell me this. There, there was a lot in there, and I'm going to come back to it. But in the middle of that, I, I believe I heard you recommend to Joseph F. Burrage that he should go and I know they're I know they're odd up in Ohio, up in Cleveland. He should go and bathe, take a bath with a dog for his hair. Yes. Is that what you said? Yeah. With with the chihuahua. Yes. If you take no, actually, he doesn't have to bathe with him. If you take the chihuahua and you dip it into warm water. And then you rub your head along the wet chihuahua, you know, all the regions, nether regions as well. Uh, you, you will extract the essential oil of potassium, which would then help him in his struggle as a runner. That is amazing. Dr. Matt, I, I'm absolutely astounded by your knowledge of all things animals. Uh, do you know much about sheep? Uh, no, but the Kiwis do. Oh, that's right, they do. Now, Dr. Matt, would you uh, would you uh, need some mustard or ketchup while eating the dog? Um, well, if I was on a deserted island and there was mustard and or ketchup, I would definitely use the condiment. My preferred condiment being the mustard first, ketchup being very high in sugar, and, uh, you know, I've got to watch my waistline. Really? Somebody has to. <laughs> Okay, so I hope you, uh, I hope you got that answer, Jennifer, loud and clear. He will definitely eat your dog, and I can confirm live on the show that this was a test of your character from Jennifer Heger to you, Doctor Matt, and you failed miserably. Uh, hey, I'm keeping Joe alive longer. Move on, Doctor Matt. You're digging your own grave <laughs> now. Question eight. This is not a laughing matter, by the way. This is very serious business. You know, what What, what if the world relied on this podcast to uh, get them through this challenging time, Dr. Matt? And here you are laughing on the show? Um, yes, it's definitely supposed to be uh, with a more serious note. I do apologize. I apologize to our listeners and I apologize to you, Mr. Therapod, who always takes things seriously. That's right. Now, question number eight comes in from little Tara. Tara D, our Australian. Uh, Can we call her Taradiski? Taradiski. I like it. Taradiski. Okay. We can question. We can tell them you made it up. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, well, Alan Moore will be uh, ringing in tomorrow saying he made it up. But sure. Listen, what if that was true? <laughs> what if it was? Very well, maybe. Very well, maybe. <laughs> Some of it may well be, Matt, Dr. Matt. Yeah. Anyway, question eight. Let, let, let's listen to this. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't learn your lines. <laughs> Some of it may well be, Eugene. Some of it may well be. <laughs> question eight. What if the earth was actually flat? Dr. Matt, over to you. Flat Earth. Uh, flat Earth. Um, actually, with, with a big question mark, would be uh, would be the follow up. So, you know, there's lots of things on Earth are flat, and you know, to name a few: paper, bookmarks, tissues, business cards, index cards, ribbons, whiteboards. Um, taking all those into account and knowing what I know of 
space travel because as you know I'm 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 scheduled and ticketed to uh get on Virgin Galactic so I will be able to put this this uh hypothesis or theory by Tara Deesky um to rest once and for all but you know no not the earth um based on my research based on Magellan's research based on uh pretty much every pilot who has you know traveled around the world or astronaut or cosmonaut. I don't know what you would call other knots from other countries. I don't know. I'll have Dr. to look Matt, that up. What? I didn't realize I didn't realize that Magella was a space researcher. Um, yes, besides being uh, a wonderful teacher from uh, a beautiful country of Ireland, she she is. She's a space researcher. Knows her math as well. Maths? She'll she'll back you up on it. Excellent. The, That's I, fantastic. the Irish never the, the Irish never lie. To be honest with you, that might be the truth. Some of it may well be, Eugene. <laughs> okay, so did you I, I'm I'm not quite sure I'm happy with uh, your answer for Tara. Um she just texted in by the way to say that she's more than happy to join you on the uh Space galax galaxy uh, to go that mile uh, up into the um, uh, up into space. Uh, she's more than welcome to join. Um, I, I really hope the movie turns out like it's a new release. I, I can't sit through another Marvel uh, embarrassment anymore on these on these uh, aircraft. So Tara, if I mean if you're going to push the issue, Tara, there is the International Flat Earth Society that you can actually join and be with the rest of the crazies who think that the Earth is actually flat. I mean, the rest of the people who think that the Earth is actually flat. Uh, there is a society for, for people like you. Um, they, they not only uh, lock you up in a cell and put a straitjacket on you, but they do let you go outside for about an hour a day to get some sunlight on your face uh, to get that vitamin D. Not potassium, Joe, just vitamin D. And, um, you know, if you can, you can join. And I think it's, I don't know, a dollar or two to join. So if, if you're interested in, in propagating the theory of the flat earth, you can go with the crazy, I mean, the people who actually believe that as well. I believe Dr. Spheros is in that uh, society because I, stand, I saw him standing in a queue the other day to join something and he, he got to, he asked me to lend him a book. So I'm pretty sure it's that flat earth society because, you know, the Greeks, they have no money whatsoever. I, I believe so. In fact, I, I was doing some research the other day and his name came up and his dissertation was, you know, what if the flat earth theory is real and he it, i think it, the subheading was arguments for a flat earth theory so way to go dr spiros dr spiros kiriakos thanks very much dr matt now we are at our penultimate question and that means second last or second last i know you're an english teacher now this is a really interesting question from uh, Megan Ross. Megan Ross was uh, the lady that earlier asked the very dirty question. I'm glad that she has come up with something a little bit more appropriate, but it certainly it's got to do with the bedroom, so a little risque. Dr. Matt, mm. let's listen. What if we all found out that we never need to sleep ever again? 
That is interesting, Dr. Matt. What if we did not need to sleep ever again? What if we found that out? I don't know if I like that. I, I was a little unsure about it, but, you know, I leave it up to my, my friend Megan and her mega mind, as I call her, to come up with some very, very interesting thought-provoking questions. So, Eugene, I don't know if you, be, if you believe me, but by the time you're 75 years old, you've spent a quarter of a century sleeping. So if you could add another 25 years by just being able to do that 24-7, um, I, I think more people would binge watch Netflix and basically play more Mario Kart because now you have time to do it. Um, I would hope or think that um, we would model our behavior on actual species that don't need to sleep and what they're looking for. So in the animal world, it's known as uh, uni-semispheric slow-wave sleep, in, by which some animals out there are able to shut down one part of their brain or half of their brain and allow the other half to rest and then flip it when they need to um, you know, get the other side some rest. Uh, these include dolphins, giraffes. Um, I don't know if you realize, but elephants in the wild only sleep about four hours a week, maybe even one hour a week. It's when they're um, in cages and zoos and stuff that they're actually sleeping all the time because you know there's no Mario Kart and they can't they have no access to Netflix. Um, yeah, so if we couldn't sleep, would what would we do with our time? That's a great question, Megan, and I'd really love to have a follow-up conversation with you about that. But my guess is, for you, more Mario Kart. Um, um, what would you do, Dr. Matt? How would you spend your extra 25%? Uh, I think, uh, well, I quite enjoy eating and drinking. Um, not to excess, of course. Not definitely not to excess on either of those uh, either of those ends. Um, so I would probably do more of that. I, I would love to say I'd take that extra time and exercise more, but I'd probably just end up converting it into uh, storing energy rather than expending energy because you never know when you might need it. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that uh, ah, I am no, going never to the mind moon. That. I might need it when I when I go to the moon. There might be some sort of like moon crater predator that needs to come after me. And, you know, who, who's going to win the race? It's going to be me because I've stored up all this energy rather than, you know, being a runner like Joe Burek and having like 0% body fat. I'm going to have more energy because I'm going to be able to go further. And ultimately, I don't really need to run faster than the moon crater creature. I need to run faster than the next person who's right behind me. So. I'm not sweating it. I'm going to continue conserving energy. Do you not have to be in physical shape to go to the moon? Why? I'm not walking there. And ultimately, I, you weigh me before I go to the moon. I'm going to weigh a lot less when I'm there. So I don't see what the problem is. I think that's called a loophole. It is. We found it. We have to sign up right away. <laughs> Dr. Matt, you will not believe this. We have came to the, the final question of our first ever What If podcast. 
the final question of the show, well, I, I call it the, the basement question. It comes from old uh, Joseph F. Burrich himself, the uh, F being Fritzel. Uh, now, some may be praying that this is the final What If podcast ever. Who knows? Now, Burrich has sent in this question. Let's take a listen to it, Dr. Matt. Okay. What if the coronavirus was actually mainly taking place in the United States right now? Do you feel that the media would be portraying it in a different way? Whoa. Now that is something, Dr. Matt. That is a really, really interesting question from Burrich. It explores the concept of, uh, I guess, xenophobia. It's yeah. a really good question, Dr. Matt. But before you answer it, I'm aware that we have some really young listeners maybe on the show who might not understand what xenophobia means. So can you first maybe explain the term to uh, little Tara, Joe Anderson, Brett Robinson? Kumi wouldn't know what xenophobia means, I wouldn't think. Probably Carla wouldn't know it either. So it, it, it's probably better that you explain that, that really big, long word. Sure, no problem. Um... It's from the Greek xenos, meaning stranger or foreigner. Um, and hold on a second. I want to make sure I'm, I'm right. And phobo, phobos, meaning fear. Oh, I wish I uh, didn't stumble on that because I knew the answer. All right. So xenophobia, so fear of strangers. Uh, and in modern times, it is the dislike of, or prejudice against people from other countries. And this is something that strikes a nerve with not only myself, but my colleagues who have been international t school teachers for um, even short time. Uh, when, when you are a guest in a country and you're able to do what you love to do and, and you're able to travel the world and uh, live within cultures, live within countries, and then something goes horribly wrong that is not specifically an ethnic problem. Right. So in this case, the coronavirus. So I think, you know, the point of Joe's question is. Is the media with the media media in America treat the coronavirus outbreak differently if it started in America? And I, I would have to, you know, I would have to say wholeheartedly. Yes. Yes, Joe. Um, find your potassium, eat your potassium. And yes, the media would portray it differently. So if we if we look at it, you know, from a simpleton's perspective, which I'm sure Joe appreciates, uh, China bad, <laughs> America good, right? China bad, America good. And that's the message that, that comes across. Or in, in many ways, it's every other country in the world is bad and America is still good. Um, as we know, in the last few days, um, the coronavirus has spread to Europe, uh, specifically northern Italy and Austria and Germany. Uh, there are cases still in the United States. South Korea is dealing with a huge outbreak. Uh, it's gotten into their, their military. They've quarantined over 7,000 uh, active duty members. Uh, an American soldier who was involved with the South Korean uh, military, because you know they're allies since 1950, uh, he has contracted coronavirus. So if you, if you take it into perspective, and you take uh, the H1N1 outbreak in the United States in 2009, and just look at the, the statistics, right? You had 70 countries affected, 22 million Americans with H1N1, 98,000 were hospitalized, 
3,900 died as a result of this H1N1 virus. And I remember being in America in 2009, and it wasn't publicized as, as widely as what is happening now with the coronavirus. Now, the numbers have jumped up quite a bit, but it, it's about 70,000 cases worldwide, uh, probably close to 1,500 deaths, and it's in, it's in probably 30, 32 countries at the moment. So the fact that the Chinese are being uh, discriminated against or prejudiced against uh, or the butt of many jokes, uh, I'm sure at your occasional cocktail party, uh, it's sad. It really is sad because a virus is a virus that affects human beings. If you take away uh, the idea of race, which I don't formally accept or believe in because we're all homo sapiens, um, then essentially it, it's just it's wrong, right? When a person's uh, suffering, you don't encourage their suffering or blame them for their own suffering. Uh, you try and lend a hand, you try and help. And I know Dr. Therapod, not doctor, uh, I just gave you a doctorate. Maybe you too can study seahorse reproduction. Um, Mr. Therapod, I know you're heavily into your, your into wellness and health and mental health and stability. Um, and I know you have spoken and, and done numerous podcasts and interviews with people on how to get a positive vibe and a positive message to people who are not only suffering in China, but are affected by this this virus, this coronavirus, you know, I haven't seen the inside of my flat in, in Shenzhen since January 14th. I'm sorry, January 15th. I am uh, very much wanting to go back to my flat, um, but unfortunately, the outbreak keeps me away. And that is a health reason. That is not a China reason or that is not a, uh, a Chinese reason. That is a health reason. Right? Uh, there are Chinese people out there who are affected by the coronavirus, and there are other people out there affected by the coronavirus. It is a human being thing, right? So we must look at it from the perspective of human beings. And if we can lend a hand or help in any way or encourage people or keep the message positive, please, please, please do the very best you can to do that, even if it means shutting someone down who is not sending out a positive message. Um, you know, just encourage the positivity and hopefully we can contain it or at least deal with it and come up with some sort of strategy to limit its, uh, its damage throughout the world, not only for Chinese, not only for uh, my colleagues and friends in China, but also for the rest of the world. Uh, sorry, Dr. Matt, your, uh, your sound cut out at the very start of that. Can you repeat that, please? Uh, no, I'm just going to say goodbye. Thank you very much. <laughs> Dr. Matt, that was a really, really deep answer. There was a lot of stuff in there. There, there was a lot in there. Now, what practical was steps? Much, was it too much about potassium and Joe Burek? Too much for me to process right now, but I completely agree with everything that you did say there. Now, you're a doctor. I'm not. Can you tell us some practical steps people can take to to maintain a positive frame of mind during this time and to cope with corona in a, in a, I guess, in a healthy way. In a healthy way. Well, number one, you know, uh, look out, look out for your family, look out for your friends. And if, um, if there's anything in your power to help them, 
to help cope, whether it's delivering groceries or sending over some, some food to people who are homebound. Do what you can in that case. But as far as practical health aspects, wash your hands. Wash your hands thoroughly. Um, if you're in the Asian region or in any sort of situation whereby you're in a crowded place with people, uh, you know, I, I don't have an actual number of meters that people need to be around you. But if, you, if you're getting into a place like a train or a bus or an airplane, just take precautions and wear a mask um, and wash your hands often. You don't have to cover yourself with, with plastic wrap. That is silly. Um, you certainly don't have to avoid certain people. Um, if someone is sick and you, you are that someone, you need to get, you need to get help. You need to get, uh, to a medical facility who can treat you. Uh, you're not going to be able to take care of this on your own and just, I mean, try and stay positive, keep, keep up your routines, keep up your exercise and try and have a laugh every once in a while. It's, it's so it laughter is the best medicine in that respect. You know, it, it's a downer to be able to be, um, in your apartment 24 seven and not, and not able to leave, or it's a downer to not be where you want to be, uh, physically. Um, as I mentioned before, it's, it's like a forced exile for many of us. And what it comes down to is use common sense when it comes to health precautions, wash your hands often. When you're in crowded places, wear masks and, uh, you know, by all means take, take humanity into, into account when, when you're, when you're, uh, looking at people who are actually suffering from this. Well, Dr. Matt, you did, you did mention about laughter there. Um, I would suggest that people listen to a different podcast because this is a very serious one. Now, you mentioned people should reach out to each other and not be alone during this period. What, what if somebody does feel they are alone? Well, if you feel you're alone, you, you, can, you can always, um, you know, Email people if, if you have access to it. You can Skype. We have this new software that we've been using for classes called Zoom. You can Zoom into multiple different people as long as they have uh, the access code. You can, you can basically have a family reunion on your laptop. Um, you know, have, have everyone sit down and enjoy a meal together, but just in their individual locations. Um, ask for help. If your depression is hitting a point where you cannot you know, stand it anymore, or you're looking to harm yourself or others, please, please, please reach out. There are trained mental health professionals out there. Then there's Mr. Theropod, uh, who can also help you or at least steer you in the right direction. Um, no one's alone in this. We are all suffering in, in some way or another to different degrees. Um, and if we're not, we need to be here for each other to support each other. Even gingers. Well, they're going to be off the planet soon enough. So if a ginger is reaching out, just ignore them and find somebody. Else. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Matt, thank you very much. Is there, um, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I made these speechless. I accomplished. Mr. Therapod is speechless. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's not the first time. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> have you seen any incidences incidences of xenophobia um, in your travels over the last few weeks uh, due to coronavirus? I know the Scots um, don't I, like English. That doesn't count. 
I did, I did, uh, I have noticed uh, not only in newspaper articles and on news, news broadcasts, but actually being in, in some cities here and there, Chinese food, right? One of our staples across the world. I mean, you'd be hard pressed not to find a Chinese restaurant in a town, even the smallest town, right next to the Irish pub normally. Uh, they're both, you know, took globalization uh, seriously before globalization was even a thing. And what I'm noticing is Chinese restaurants, even local ones here in Scotland, are hurting. And I like when you start to think about the connection, how people just, you know, coronavirus came from China. Now, you know, it, it makes connections into my head. So now nobody wants to go to the Chinese restaurant in Edinburgh. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Chinese food still tastes good. We had it the other night. So, um, yes, I have seen some some xenophobia because people just aren't going to their supporting their local Chinese restaurant, which are hurting right now. Uh, they have rent to pay and, and they're they're just not going to make it through. And it has nothing to do with the virus. Right. It has to do with with pure xenophobia or at least the association of, um, you know, negativity from from it being Chinese. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. Now more than ever is time to really uh, support your community and show care and develop that sense of connection, um, even if it's not true, physical connection um, uh, to, to reach out to people and help them. And steps like that's certainly not helping, Dr. Matt. Yes, I agree. Um, when, In fact, we were sitting as a family the other day and, and I said, I've been noticing that these Chinese restaurants are really being hurt let's go and get Chinese food. And everyone's like, yeah, let's go. So we literally had Chinese food last two nights ago and then had the leftovers last night. And you know what? No problems. It was actually delicious. Can you bring me some back? I could, but if you make it by the time I get back, I'll be surprised. So, Dr. Matt, uh, we're nearing the end of our show. This is a very interesting uh discussion from Joseph Burridge. Who could have thought that a hillbilly from Cleveland, Ohio could have sent in such an intellectual question? I, I, I was surprised myself. I, I think there was probably either plagiarism, if not collusion involved in this. I can't, I'm, I'm not quite sure Joe had the ability to put together that question on his own. I'm, I'm going to get someone really, someone really smart his department like in april or jamie threw something out there but i, I don't know i'm i think joe stole it i completely agree with you burrich can't even formulate a sentence let alone use a pencil anyway uh there was one thing in there you were talking about the spread of coronavirus across europe which is obviously worrying but i'm just wondering with brexit uh I guess the British are out of Europe now. Does that mean that they don't get coronavirus because they're out of Europe? Well, uh, there would uh, be a, a stiff, a stiff um, import tax if if it were to come here. In mass, huh. right? They can. It's a luxury item right now here in the UK. There's only a few people who have it, but if it were to go like large scale commercial, there would definitely be an import tax on it. Okay, so Corona is subject to freedom of movement. Uh, apart from the UK, is that what you're saying? Correct. Correct. Well, there's oh. a big, big body of water that separates it. Dr. Matt, on behalf of everybody, 
throughout the world on behalf of the Ginger Union, on behalf of Prince Harry, on behalf of everybody in Long Island and the Bronx where you grow up, we thank you very much for coming on this show. So what's the plans for you for the next couple of days, Dr. Matt? Can you sum it up quickly? And then we're going to end the show. Uh, well, we are at a friend's house in just north of Edinburgh, and we're um, going to celebrate his 70th birthday, my dear friend Drew. And we are here to do that with him. And then we'll probably head back to Edinburgh and take care of some family business next week and then heading back to Vietnam soon enough. Ah, I'll be in Vietnam for the next month, so I hope you'll join me. I, did uh, I say Vietnam? I meant, I meant Laos. I'm going to go to Laos. <laughs> Dr. Matt, is there one <laughs> final message that you have for uh, all the people that work with you? Yes. Um, guys, we miss you. We see you on Zoom, and uh, can't wait to catch up with you guys. I hope you're safe. I hope uh, your families are healthy, and just, you know, Take care of each other. There's no, uh, there's no need not to. Just look out for each other, and we'll all get through it. Dr. Matt, very profound. I would expect nothing less from you. So thank you for uh, coming you on the may, show. May, before we close, can, can we just do a shout-out to our, our good friend, Justin Barrett? Mr. Barrett. You were going to forget him. So... I have yeah. a I have a fu I have a funny story for you. <laughs> Go on. And the rest of the world. So um, Justin is located. We after he left China uh, due to the coronavirus outbreak, um, he went back to his future retirement home in Isan, northern Thailand. And I know, uh, Mr. Therapod, you have lived in northern Thailand, so you can fully identify with this. And, and get where I'm coming from. So he's his small town in, in Isan, it's uh, where his wife grew up um, and his, his extended family is on his wife's side. So clearly they're all Thai. So Justin has been up there and there are very little, there's very, very little contact with, with Westerners. So he's hearing Thai and he's, he's involved in the culture completely. And we had a meeting scheduled uh, virtually uh, as a department and Justin he went to go to go on the meeting and they started panicking because the internet connection wasn't working and he was freaking out because he was really really looking forward to actually speaking with his friends and colleagues from from Swiss International School right so when I got him the next day I had contacted him through Facebook Messenger and it, it if you're familiar with Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness or the movie version uh now, you would have thought that I had just stumbled upon Colonel Kurtz way deep into the jungle and up the river. <laughs> the poor man, was, he, was, he was batty. He was uh, so apologetic and he was so uh, distraught because he wasn't able to see people and speak to people. And, you know, essentially he's losing his mind a little bit. I say this in good fun, Justin. We know you're fine. Um, and Everyone who uh, was in the department, I let I made them aware of this story, and everyone got a good kick out of it. Alan, Alan being our uh, economics teacher and former um, soldier, he was going to actually put a, uh, a case of beer on his back and rent a long tail and go actually up the river and, and pull Justin out. But 
I told him to stand down for now. It wasn't absolutely <laughs> necessary. As long as we, as long as we keep Justin uh, talking on the phone at least once or twice a week, he should be fine. But it was, um, it, it was definitely something to hear when I finally got a hold of him. He was, he was ecstatic <laughs> to speak, uh, to speak to me and to hear about what was going on uh, at the meeting. So, shout out to you, Justin. You're a survivor, and uh, and uh, I hope you're okay. Absolutely, I second that, Mr. Barrett. Would love to hear from you. Uh, and I actually completely agree with you, Mr. Manfredi. I did live up in that part of the country in Thailand for uh, I don't actually know how long, maybe a year or so. It was, it was a long, a long year. Actually, it felt like a year, but it was actually ten. <laughs> Possibly, but yeah, it is very, very isolated up there, and it goes to show, yeah. There isn't Wi-Fi in every part of the world, folks, and we have to make do with what we have in these circumstances. So a uh, big shout out to Justin. You're doing a great job up there and looking forward to seeing you again. And little yep. Amy and Stu. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Matt, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. It was a pleasure and a privilege to uh, be on the show today, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Okay, Dr. Matt. Ciao. All right. Take it easy. Well, I really hope you enjoyed listening to the world-renowned expert in horse reproduction, Dr. Matt. I'd like to apologize for any inaccuracies in my opening segment. As previously mentioned, my, my bitter former researcher, Alan Moore, clearly was very angry when he compiled this this, this, this pile of garbage and put it on my desk. Dr. Matt graciously accepted my apology on his behalf and lucky for us, he continued with the show and what a show it was. I hope Dr. Matt, Dr. Matt's words brought some relief to your tired bodies. If you have a yearning desire to get touched by Dr. Matt, I mean, if you have a yearning desire to get in touch with Dr. Matt, he is available for private sessions and he has even been known to work with a small groups of three. I'd like to give a big shout out to all those people who took the time and contributed questions to today's show. We'd love to continue with this weekly show, but we need you, the listeners, to send in questions. Ooh, slightly better questions than last week, please. Click the link in the show notes and record a short one minute question and Dr. Matt will relieve you on next week's show. My Twitter handle is at Mr. Terpod. Follow the hashtag creatives cure for China. That's and Dr. Matt. What if this has been a really tough time for everyone. Dr. Matt and I want to bring some joy and laughter to your sad, lonely and miserable life. That, that's you, Jeff Carter, I'm talking about. Did you really think you were going to get off without a slur on your name? You know, I'm still really bitter and angry over being cheated out of the King of the Movember crown by you back in December. You and your type clearly rigged this result. You, you probably had some collusion with Russia, no doubt, to uh, do me out of the King of the Movember crown. I will not get over this quickly, Carter. Charlie Chaplin, I mean. Now, on to more serious matters. The coronavirus has swept through China, uninvited and unexpected. 
bringing varying, varying levels of chaos and uncertainty to all of our lives in the process. With many people displaced throughout the world, from the Sheko Strip to the, to the boroughs of Bogota, living in limbo, now it is more important than ever, I guess, to look after our own health and well-being, as well as that of our friends and families during this time. What if we use this time productively to reconnect with ourselves? Try to develop a better understanding of who you are, for it is only through this that you can truly affect change. What if we use this time to reconnect with people who bring real value and meaning to your life? What if we use this time to demonstrate genuine care and compassion for each other? Reach out to someone, tell them how important they are to you. What if you don't get that chance ever again? A very wise man once said that creativity is contagious. Spread it around. Now it wasn't me, I know you were thinking that straight away, and thank you, but I'll be humble here. It wasn't even Dr. Matt. It was, it was an even wiser man than him. It was Albert Einstein. What if we used this time creatively and constructively to spread messages of peace and positivity? Get creative and show support for China. Support Wuhan. Share your work on Twitter with the Creatives Care for China hashtag and the Swiss Shenzhen hashtag. What if we use this time to inspire and motivate people, just like Dr. Emmanuel Gatti and Dr. Tracy Pinchon Navan are trying to do in this Shenzhen community? It was on the SDG Agency SZ podcast that Dr. Emmanuel Gatti, counselling psychologist and mindful instructor based in Shenzhen, made a very powerful call to action. He stressed the need for people to lift their spirits through creativity instead of the consumption of doom and gloom because of the coronavirus. In the words of Dr. Emmanuel, if you can sing, sing. If you can paint, paint. Whatever you can do, do it. Record it and share it with the people of China to let them know that they are not alone, that you are thinking with them. This call was taken up by CAS coordinators and teachers in schools throughout China and some amazingly creative work has been produced in the past month. A big shout out to Annie Watherston from England uh, who, who is at at Swiss. She is leading the way here at Swiss along with Lorenda Lorenda at Beijing World Youth Academy. Uh, We also have participating schools in South Korea and the United States now and we've had some videos sent in from Japan as well. Thank you Miss Hannah. The words authentic and action are two buzzwords oft heard in schools. Now is the perfect time to demonstrate that they're not just that, superficial buzzwords. Get creative. Take action. Join Dr. Emmanuel for his daily online mindfulness sessions and Corona support group. Contact me for more information if you'd like to join them. Dr. Tracy Pinshaw-Navon a psychologist at Distinct Shenzhen, an active member of the Swiss Shenzhen community, has written three excellent articles on 
Coping with Corona, and they are available on my blog. She has also just started a new project, which I'd like to mention. Her WeChat group is called the Coping with Corona Community. It is a social collective group built to empower, connect and elevate each other during this very unique time in history. Her words, not mine. I'm not smart enough to say things like this. This is a new space dedicated to sharing real life, touching, funny, awkward and eye-opening stories that reflect our individual experiences. She wants you to join on this collaborative project and become a page in history as we together look to cope with this very new and unique experience together. For more information, join her group. But far more importantly, participate, take action, do something. Don't just talk about it. Actually follow her instructions, get creative and share your experiences with other people. Now I've added all these details to the Swiss WeChat group this morning. Get in touch with Dr. Tracy for more information. Thank you for organizing this project, Dr. Dr. Tracy. And thank you again to Dr. Emmanuel for his amazing efforts uh, for the community. What if we let go of the past and embrace the present with acceptance and a recognition of the impermanence of life and this moment? What if you lead the way instead of following the path. In his ironic, no I mean iconic, song, Imagine, John Lennon famously sang, You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join me and the world can live as one. What if we use this time positively and peacefully to reconnect with the spirit and ideals of this scruffy Liverpudlian. With Mr. Turpod, you're not alone. <laughs>